the economy is getting back underway. And with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Be sure to subscribe to Bloomberg.com. And if you are not already an Athletic subscriber, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugan. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. I'm verified on just about every social media platform there is. I'm not going to worry about spelling anything out. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. Remember, call the tweet machine, Chris. Get the blue <laughs> check. Just uh, The season's around the corner, man. We get verified uh, before the season starts and ends abruptly because, <laughs> because of covid um but because we're here because you know shout out to uh, quentin dunbar that's uh, that's what this is that's what this should, episode should be called because quentin dunbar had a good weekend on yeah, friday did. um state attorney's office in broward county florida was like you know what you didn't do nothing yeah you're good and then on saturday the nfl was like you know you can go back to work and you can get paid well i guess he was already on paid leave on the commissioner exemplist but it's like yeah you can go back to work like or actually, you can go to work because he had never even been up here. That's right, because because of, of COVID, it's like, hey, you can finally go to work, and you're gonna get you're not gonna get charged with armed robbery with a firearm. Chris, I, I will call that a good weekend. Successful weekend for him, his family. I know he's excited to get back to work. He's been going through this process for a few months now, yeah, going back and forth since May. I mean, that's a long time, and I think he's really excited. We saw a little press conference of him saying, you know, he's thankful, he's blessed, mm-hmm. et cetera, and he's ready to get back to work. Now is that opportunity for him to get back to work and prove his worth and why the Seahawks went after him and get the ball rolling. Yeah, I talked to his um, his attorney on Friday when the when the news first broke that uh, he wasn't going to be charged with armed robbery with a firearm, which I have to keep repeating because like the Seahawks have these qualifiers with their players. Like, yeah, this guy will play if he's not charged with this felony or like, oh, they'll sign Michael Kendricks if he's not in jail for insider trading. Um, you know, there's just... I feel like that's a unique Seahawk thing. Maybe like the Cowboys and Bengals have to go through that every once in a while. Maybe the Raiders too. Um, but it is a very, you know, strange situation. But anyway, I talked to his attorney who sounded like they were popping champagne in the background. Like they <laughs> sounded hype, like real, real hype. And I couldn't understand why at first. And then I realized, oh, they just beat this like felony case. Like I, I could see why they're so hype. Um, but anyway, his his attorney uh, told me, so I think it's a Miami-based uh, defense attorney, said, uh, quote, the Broward State Attorney's Office took their time, reviewed the facts, and came to the conclusion that we did. Quentin did nothing wrong. We're relieved. Um, end quote. I do want to share, um, his name is Andrew Ryer, the name of the defense attorney. I do want to share one thing before we get into what happens next is I asked Quentin's attorney, just because, you know, remember, Chris, this is his second attorney that he's had right yeah, like he the first had, one was out here wild oh yeah no the greco dude was out here tripping <laughs> um and you google that dude and you see why like oh him tripping is like the status quo so and it looked real bad they had the cover-up scheme and it was on tape doing all this stuff like it allegedly um <laughs> it looked really really bad yes. and i remember texting with some of my homies when he switched lawyers like 
this is going to end poorly. And we're talking to legal analyst uh, for The Athletic, Daniel Wallach. Um, shout out, Daniel. Uh, he just had a birthday. Um, like, yo, this is going to be bad, right? And he's like, yeah, no, this is going to be really awful for Quentin. And I was like, okay, cool. So his new lawyer fixes it in like a week. <laughs> Should have hired him from the jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or fix it in like two weeks or whatever. So I was like, hey, yo, man, you just got here. This is, I mean, this is me talking to the defense attorney on Friday. I'm like, hey, you just got here. Um, you know, how did you fix this so fast? He was like, it was easy. Quentin didn't do nothing. And it was just like this awkward pause. And I was like, okay, cool. That's all you're going to give me? Let's go. I, he, he knew we were on the record. So I could, he wasn't going to tell me if they really finessed some things. But good for him. Yeah. That's why you pay for the good lawyers. To my recent comment, should have hired him immediately. You should have been doing your research on him. He sounds like the guy you should have had, and this never would have went to what it went to now. Uh, Yeah, at the very I least, mean, it wouldn't have been the cover-up thing. The cover-up yeah, was really, that really, was, the alleged cover-up. Yeah, that was, was really, really, I mean, that they're, wasn't on, good. they're on camera, but whatever. It's, it's really, <laughs> really bad. So that, that that's the good news for Quentin. So I think by now, by the time you're hearing this, he should already be in Seattle. Um, I was told that he was en route over the weekend. I think he posted something on Instagram that said he was on his way on Sunday. It don't take that long to fly here. We flew no. from Miami to Seattle. <laughs> it takes about, what, six hours? Long uh, time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very long flight, uh, but he should be here by now. Remember, he had to pass some COVID tests, um, multiple, I think, to enter the building. Um, so we'll see. If nothing else, this tr- this uh, incident in Miami or in Miramar, Florida, that they had shows us that he's willing to kick it during quarantine, which is not great. Uh, he probably shouldn't do that. Hopefully, he's learned to stay in the house and chill, uh, especially in Florida, which is a hot spot for the coronavirus. So that's the good news for Quinn. He is not going to go to jail for armed robbery with a firearm, and he gets to show up to work. That is great. Chris, it's also good news for, like, John Snyder and Pete Carroll. They get their guy. They don't have to worry about all the other drama off the field. I mean, now it, you're probably going to get to it. but Yeah, there's some more steps. Yeah, but, I mean, right now it's like, whew, okay. He's found innocent. He's cool. not going to go to jail. Yeah, that's that was big. That's if he goes a, to jail, big thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you hired a guy that's in jail. Well, what does that look like? Oh, not he's great. just in jail and we are <laughs> playing football on Sundays. All right, cool. When are you getting back? We, you know, his jail sentence is this long. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's that, jail complicates things, you know, yeah. in, many, in more ways than one. So that's good news for them because also you just don't want to dump assets too. Like the, the yeah. thing about like Malik, uh, Malik McDowell situation is like, yeah, he was a knucklehead and made some dis- some poor decisions when he got drafted. From Seattle's standpoint, they probably they obviously could have been willing to withstand that if he'd actually just played. Like even if he played poorly, like we got you on the field, like we drafted you or traded for you or whatever, give up assets. We need to see like return on investment is important, and Malik returned absolutely nothing. Right, Quentin at the very least will have the opportunity to return something because they dumped a fifth round pick in for this guy, and that's important. Right, because if you look at their secondary now, like look at the resources they've had to use to get their secondary to where they feel comfortable. They had to trade a fifth round pick, trade another fifth round pick, trade a first, a third, and another first, you know, to get Jamal. Like they are dumping assets into the secondary and you want to return on your investment, and that's what they got with Quentin. For now. For now. This is where it gets tricky. And I'm gonna try to make this as like clear as I can, although it's really murky. So the NFL, the commissioner exemplist, let's talk about what that is for. That's basically so like Roger Goodell can be like, hey, yo, you might have did something. So we're going to pluck you away from like our shield right, and make sure you don't show up on NFL cameras while we figure this out. Right. That's what that's for. It means shoo shoo, go away while we see if you're a felon or not. Essentially is like the short version of that. So them plucking him 
off the list is a very, very good sign in that regard. Because at the very least, it says, after we looked at it some more, Quentin, maybe you're not a felon. Cool, go back to work. Um, now, deciding whether you are a criminal or deciding whether you violated the NFL's personal conduct policy are two very different things. And I think the distinction there is important, right? Like, I'm going to read the first two sentences from the... There's a couple sentences from the NFL personal conduct policy that are important, but I'm going to read the first two, right? Okay. It says, It is a privilege to be part of the National Football League. Everyone... This is underlined and bold. <laughs> it really is. You see it, Chris, right? Oh, I see it's it. Underlined and bold. Everyone who is part of the league must refrain from, quote, conduct detrimental to the integrity of and public confidence in the NFL, right? That don't say nothing about whether you committed a crime, you know, or not. Now, I think there's some other important language um, in the NFL's personal conduct policy, right, that says, quote, in cases in which a player is not charged with a crime or is charged but not convicted, he may still be found to have violated the policy if the credible evidence establishes that he engaged in prohibited conduct. Now, that's a lot of legalese, but the short version of that is it don't matter if you got charged or not, we can still find you guilty in the court of the NFL. Basically what that means, whether you allegedly put your hands on a woman, whether you uh, was drunk driving, whether you had a gun, uh, whether you robbed some folks, allegedly. They can decide, hey, yo, that's cool you're not going to jail, but you might have to catch these three games one time. <laughs> like that's, they can do that, and yeah. that's, that's not a Goodell thing. That is a third party, what they're calling in the, it's called a disciplinary officer, I guess is what it's called in the policy. That's someone from the NFLPA, or the union decides, and the NFL, like, they jointly agree, like, all right, we're going to let so-and-so handle the investigation. Cool, you go do you. Let us know what you find. That person needs credible evidence. That's way different than like a prosecutor deciding like, hey, can we, do I got enough to put this guy away? No? All right. Let's let him walk. Because they could easily, I think we've talked about this before, a disciplinary officer can just determine, hey, man, from what we can tell, you was there when the funk went down. Because here's the other thing about this that's important. If the NFL like takes the legal aspect of this into consideration, that means that they're they are gonna be under the impression that a robbery happened, right? Because DeAndre Baker got charged with robbery. Yes. Yeah, like that. That boy going to the slammer. Like that's 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 what's gonna happen. Uh, at least that's what I think is gonna happen. Maybe he should switch lawyers. But that boy is being charged with robbery. So at the very least, when they look into the situation, they're gonna determine probably, a we think a robbery happened. So if you operate under that premise, then you have to decide. All right, Quentin. What was your role in the robbery? And that's where this gets tricky. Because we don't know from an investigation standpoint how that works. Do they have to talk to all the victims? Do they have to talk to witnesses? Do they talk to the police? Do they only use the information that's publicly available? Warrants, police reports, sworn affidavits, things like that that you can just Google or like do a quick little public records request for? Because Quentin's involvement in the robbery, again, we're assuming that a robbery happened, right? We don't have to say alleged if they're like, I guess we do, but... Florida thinks that a robbery happened, right? So if we assume that, then it's all about Quentin's role in that. Was Quentin like, hey, yo, Dre, you tripping? I'm going to leave. Or was he like, yo, Dre, chill out, chill out, chill out, stay in there. Or was he like, hey, yo, get his rollie, get his hublot, right? Like you don't know, we don't know what his role in it was. And maybe 
the disciplinary officer won't be able to figure that out. And they'll be like, you know what? Quinn, you ain't do nothing. You went to a house party during quarantine. That's stupid. Uh, 50000 Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's stupid. Here's, you know, $50,000, $100,000, maybe a game. Just so you can think about life. Like, you know what? Just don't play in the Dolphins game because we don't trust you going to Miami. You know, something, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. That could be it. Or the disciplinary officer could use the evidence that we have available publicly to be like, hey, these four cats got robbed. At the very least, you was with the dude that robbed them. That's it. You was with him. You was in cahoots, whether, man. We don't know whether <laughs> you robbed someone specifically, but you was with him. And he was tripping. Here's two games. Like, whether that's fair or not, four games, six games, I don't know. What you th- what should we put the over-under on if there's a suspension? Let's use a decimal gonna- here to so we don't, like, tie. <laughs> four and a half. So four me. and a half games? All right. I would take the under, I think, on four and a half, and I'd probably take it somewhere around, like, three. I'm thinking two. Two or three? I'm thinking two games is what it'll well, get. All right, let's move the line, then, if we're so far under. Let's go three and a half. Three, three and, and a half, half games, and then let's take the over-under, you guys. If you're listening right now, let us know. We're going over-under three and a half games for – for Quentin. Again, we don't know, right? In theory, in theory, you would think, oh, if they're going to take him off the commissioner exemplist and let him show up to work, they shouldn't necessarily suspend him. Like, I've seen people make that point to me, and I'm like, I hear you. But he was... The NFL doesn't have to operate like that. This yeah. whole system is wacky. That's why I brought up, like, Jaron Reed, and um, I used some examples in my story. Uh, Jameis Winston got three games, I believe. Jaron Reed got six. Kareem Hunt got 10? 8. And I'm missing one. Zeke. Zeke got 6, I believe. And I don't think... Uh, none of these guys were formally charged with crimes. I think in a couple of those cases, they were never arrested. I believe Jameis was never arrested, and I know Jaron Reed was never arrested. In part because he fled the scene, but he was still <laughs> never arrested. I mean, Quentin fled too and eventually got arrested. So they don't even need an arrest to give you multiple games. Now... In those cases, I think, and I specified this in my story too, they're not entirely informative just because those involved those involve women. So he got eight games, right, for violating the personal conduct policy. Right? Yeah. I, I don't believe he was ever formally charged with a crime. I think he's he, he kicked a girl, right, in the hotel. That was bad, 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 bad. It was on video. Yeah, no, it, even if it wasn't on video, it was just bad. Like, it's, if we can prove you did it, it was bad. Video or not, but the video was bad too. So, but anyway... I, I use those examples, even though they're not entirely informative, I do think those are examples of, like, the NFL being able to do whatever the hell it wants. Yes. Like, Jay J- Reed was never arrested, never charged, six games. And it was right. two years later. Yeah, and that was the other thing. He had already played two seasons. And it was like, no, no, here's six. Chill out. You know, and whether that, I don't know. I don't know if we want to get into the argument of whether that's fair or not. I'm just saying they have that power. Fellas. It's about that time to unveil your summer body. Well, are you even prepared to show off the summer body? Beaches are opening up. The sun is out. Stay six feet apart from everyone. And also Manscaped is here to make sure that your body is ready for the wild, whether that be at the beaches, you name it. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. Yes, you heard that right. Level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. You also find the Crop Reviver, a below the belt toner that's designed to give you a pep in your step and a great smell. How could you turn all that down? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented 
high-performance, anti-shaping Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. I think it is, it might be the right thing to do. And I talked about it when we mentioned JB being suspended. If you're even in the conversation of criminal activity, domestic violence, you name it, you got to get a suspension. And for Quentin, unfortunately, it's the same situation. It's not as if he was a random bystander. And he was that we know of. That, that we That's know what I'm saying. His role in it is like, he could have been like, hey, yo, Dre started tripping and I left in my Lambo. You know? Yes. And that, I mean, does the NFL buy that? That's another thing. Well, right. They really believe that oh, you are a bystander, but for some reason, your previous lawyer decided to give cash to people that have claimed you were there involved in the act. That's misleading. Yeah, there's, they, a lot of, there's a lot of questions here. Cover up his ray And that's why I'm thinking he will still get a s- suspension the best case scenario is they just give him a couple thousand dollars that he's fine. You know, 250 bands. That's what you're going to get. That'd be a big suspension. That's I mean, a big suspension. Big, I mean, a big fine. Big yeah. fine, but it's better than you not playing, you know, the first two games, whatever the case may be, right? The Seahawks yeah, would yeah, love yeah. to have him out there to start the season. They don't want to be They don't want to be in a situation where he misses two games and now you're, you're bringing him back in. I mean, they're not having preseason games, so the, the reps are already going to be a little challenging. Yeah, you definitely need the reps. And you're missing two games at – Full speed, <laughs> that's going to be, you're already set back. Right. The Seahawks probably praying, you know, just slap this man, you know, a fine of 500 bands, whatever. Just, yeah. we, we don't want to. I think it'd be even smaller. I think it'd be real small. Like 1,500. 1,500. Yeah, yeah. I think there's limits on uh, what the fines can be, I think. Maybe I have to go read. Through. I read through like the policy and the CBA. All that stuff was just so much legal jargon. <laughs> Bro, it'd be like. Speak English. <laughs> for real. Like, make this very, very clear. Like, that's why I try to do when we have the show and I have to read stuff like that. I try to put it in terms that people understand. I'd say y'all dumb. I'm just saying, like, shoot, it was, I'd be struggling with it. So I'm going to assume that y'all would struggle with it too. Um, or at least want it to be put in simpler terms. Correct. So. He's I, not off the hook yet. No, he's 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 not off the hook. And I, it's really weird that the NFL has that. That power, but I mean, it is so murky about this situation. They but can it also makes sense why they have it that way. Because if they, I mean, again, back to the point of, you know, a criminal activity, at what point do you draw the line in the sand that says we're not going to allow any of it? Granted, the case came out that Jay Reed was innocent. The NFL said, well, <laughs> not that he's innocent necessarily, that just that he wasn't charged. He wasn't charged, excuse me. With that situation, it, the fact that you were involved, we got to slap you with something. I guess that's innocence, to be fair to Jaron. That's innocence, I guess, in the. It's hard because innocence is I like know a legal term, yes. and there was no legal bout here. It's a matter of like, do you think J. Reed did the thing or not? And I, I, I don't really feel we like don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't there. The thing is, just the fact that he was mentioned in it is bad enough. Yeah, the allegations, and you know what? Hold on, Chris. I'm gonna read another sentence from the the policy because this is where it gets to. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is why, if anything, they should address this part of their personal conduct policy because this is where they're in a really muddy water. Um, it, it reads, it is not simply, it is not enough simply to avoid being found guilty of a crime in a court of law. We are all held to a higher standard and must conduct ourselves in a way that is responsible, promotes the values of the NFL and is lawful. End quote. To be honest, I mean, that is, I think that's really dangerous though, because dangerous, but they put it in fine print and it makes sense from a standpoint as we are held to a higher standard. Yeah. Mike, you are not held to the standard of an NFL athlete. Although, if you commit a certain crime with your public interest, it is an issue because you are out there. People know who you are. Your name 
When you type in your name, you come up. It, there's not another Michael Sean out there in the world. If there is, they don't work for the, a media company. There you go. Yeah, no, I, That's, I, I, and, I get it. And that line, we are held to a higher standard, is key. You are not a PE teacher. <laughs> and even then, a, a school could say, hey, okay. we hold our teachers to a higher standard than the court of law, That's perfectly too, fine. Which I also think is a dangerous area. I think it's, it can get real dangerous. It then. can. But it, I, I understand this fully, and it makes sense. No, I get it. I Being get it. found guilty, that's... I mean, if you're not found guilty, cool. But the fact that your name is brought up in this allegation and you got this on your chest, whether it be a team name, you're a coach. Yeah, that's what it is. It's about protecting the shield. I mean. And the image of the NFL. That That's concrete. And players need to know these type of things. So, Quentin, although you were found. You no. let you found that you didn't do nothing. You didn't do nothing. Didn't do nothing wrong. Uh but in the eyes of the law, which is different. <laughs> so I think that the, making the distinction is important, and there's so many ways that this can go. We yes. don't know what it'll look like. Um, but the over-under is three and a half. <laughs> yeah, I, if there is a suspension, I'm leaning towards there being – I'm with you, Chris. I think there will be one. Um, but I think that's a way better scenario than when I – like two weeks ago when I was pretty sure that this would be drawn out so long. Yeah, he won't even play this season. That it wouldn't even be this season. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what insight I got from like people who – not just Daniel, but other people who are in the – legal field and kind of know these things and understand and then for it to be turned around in like a week or two i was that's why i asked the lawyer like yo bro how you do that <laughs> he, he was like yo it's how we get down i'm like all right cool and that was kind of the end of the phone call um now whether it's three games or four games or six games whatever the secondary should be one of the best in the league and i think that's the, when's the last time we were able to say that 2017 2017 2016 2017 the, the, tw- the start of the 2017 season and I know this because I have a really old version of Madden that still has the Seahawks with Sherm on the cover it's got nah it's not that old come on man <laughs> Sherm's on like the 20 <laughs> I was joking man. Uh, I forget I think Tom Brady's on the cover of the one I have um, it's like the starting DNs are still Mike and Cliff yep it's got Bobby KJ Cam Earl Russ or uh, Earl Sherm and I think Shaq is the starting like other corner like I'd be playing with the Seahawks and I'd be like Man, this team is good as hell. How did they lose? And then I remember, oh, none of these guys finished the season. Or oh, I, I guess got banged Mike, up. Mike and Shaq did of those guys. But oh, I guess Earl did too, but he got hurt at some point. So that was part of it. But man, like I can see why everyone's hype about this. I wanted to cool the Jets a little bit when the when the when he was still on the Quentin was still on the commissioner exemplist, but I think Chris now is time. Quentin Dunbar on the right, Shaquille Griffin on the left, Jamal Adams in the box. Quandre Diggs in the back end? Yeah, that's probably the best secondary in the league. It's going to be fun to watch. Top two, top three. They're right in that conversation, man. The talent speaks for itself. Every one of those players you know about (laughs) and you know what they're good at. And I know that they are good. I don't have a a question about whether they're good or they're going to have a good year. You know it. I mean. I think all of them are going to deliver. That's what it's about now delivering and they it's a, it's a lot of pressure on these guys but this is what they live for they live for these type yeah, of yeah they do this they do this this is sure. what this is what it's all about proving <laughs> yes we are that talented and we're going to show you week in and week out that's what it's about i mean jamal adams can play everywhere quandre Diggs can play everywhere yep shaquille griffin i mean what if this season the seahawks actually go to get to the point where they say you know what Shaq, we're, we're gonna have you guard the best receiver if we play the Saints, you're going to guard Mike Thomas the whole game. Honestly, I think Quinn could do that too. And that's the cool part. Now it's flexibility. You can mismatch. You can flip it. 
You know, if he's in the slot, okay, Quinn, you fall him now. Oh, he's back outside? All right, Shaquille, that's all you. I mean, that's what the Seahawks have the flexibility of doing, but that goes into that cover three scheme that they love to play. Yes. And Let's get now, nerdy for a second. Let's yeah, get nerdy. Let's get nerdy. Now is the time to switch things up. Let's, let's, let's play cover two. Let's play cover one, man up. You got one safety over top, whether it's Jamal or if you want, you can have Jamal come and take the running back, which he loves doing anyway. He whether, can do everything, and man. That's, and that's the flexibility the Seahawks have. You don't get this piece. You don't get this. You don't get Jamal Adams and say, we're not going to blitz that much with them. No, you blitz with Jamal Adams. There's a reason you why. You do everything with Jamal Adams. You have him return kicks if he wants. I ain't mad at that it. That boy can do everything, <laughs> man. But that's, that, you brought him in to do these things. You didn't bring him in to play second fiddle. You brought him in to revamp this defense, to bring things, to bring this defense back to life, to hype that we have might not have ever seen with this talent. I'm not saying he's better than or than an Earl or a, or a Cam, but this is something that you take advantage of now. It's not something that you sit back and say, eh, we're going to stick to our core asset of our defense and what we like to do. No, try new things. Make an error. Okay, I know what I did there. I know, I know how to fix it. That's what you got to go and do. The dude's 24 years old. Man, that's young. Take advantage of his talent. You got Shaq on the outside. Have fun with it. Pete's all about chewing the bubble gum and having fun. Well, Pete, <laughs> you have the perfect opportunity to do so now. Please don't run cover three the whole game. Let's mix it up a little bit. I really want to see the defense do things that I haven't seen from this defense before. I don't want to see, oh, triangle, three deep. I get it. You know, both corners drop back, safety in the middle. All right, cool. <laughs> no, switch it up. I, I want to see things differently this season. I, I really do. I, I think that would be great if it – so, yes. If that's if that happens, that's cool. It's cool. If, if they do cover through the whole time, <sighs> that's cool too. No. Because here's my thing. Here's, <laughs> here's why I say that. <laughs> I just want to do something that works. And as I, long as it works, I don't care if they run the what's the what's the one on Madden where you're on the goal line, the bear. Oh, <laughs> I don't yes. care if they run that every if it works, <laughs> yeah, boy, it works. then you run it. That's but your you, thing. But to your point about Jamal, he can do everything, right? You uh, gotta at yes. least you gotta at least throw it out there, man. You gotta at least mess up, make a few errors, and fix it and get better at it. Yeah, I think I think not having a preseason where that's kind of that it does stink. The the level to which you can experiment. Is it gets a little tricky because when you look at their schedule, week one is Atlanta, yes. right? Like you, you don't, don't have wanna, a lot of room. You to don't want to be messing around when the other team has Matt Ryan, Julio, and Calvin Ridley, right? You got and Todd Gurley. Like you don't really want to be out here. You, your margin for error in your first game is not high. Like even even though the defense ended up being like average um, last season, like maybe below average, like 18th in defensive efficiency, I believe they were last year. Remember in week one they got lit up by Andy Dalton, right? Because in part because. Growing pains, and then the other part was that uh, it was so new. Remember, uh, they had a new coach and a new OC. I uh, forget their coach's name. I think it's Zach Taylor, maybe. Um, he comes from the Sean McVay tree, so they expected a lot of 11 personnel. Cincinnati ran a bunch of 12, threw him off. Andy Dalton threw for a gazillion yards. So I, I th- experimenting is fine. I imagine they'll tinker with that. That's another good thing about Quentin being able to show up to work. Yeah. They can, they can figure these type of things out and figure out where Trey Flowers fits into that, too. Um so I, honestly, I just want them to do a work. If it's whatever, I feel it. I, I, I think mostly the person who needs the most flexibility is Jamal. I think you like kind of let Jamal do whatever the hell he wants. That's why you brought him in. You uh, brought him in to be flexible and do what he. He he's a footballer. He balls. Yeah, literally a footballer. He goes out there and plays. You don't say we're gonna play this defense. You say Jamal, <laughs> do what you gotta do. Everyone else. And they gotta be used <laughs> to that though, like knowing how to adjust to that too. That takes yes. some time, and that builds. And that's chemistry, which yeah. you talked about in your story. Like, that takes right? a little bit to build up. Yeah, the first week is probably gonna be a little helter skelter because they're all playing 
and they really have had no reps outside of playing against one another. But now you're going up against, as you put it, the Atlanta Falcons with all that talent. I mean, and who's their second game? The Patriots? The Patriots and with that's Cam on, Newton. And that's on, uh, on primetime. Yep. I don't think the Patriots' weapons aren't that crazy, but you still got Bill Belichick, and then after that, week three is Dallas. Dallas. So, I mean, you still got, like, yes, yeah, so it, it, it could be you, – you don't have much room for error in those first three games. I do think uh, what's really interesting, this team is not necessarily better – this foursome right here is not better than what the Legion of Boom had, mm-hmm. but I do think it has like this distinction. I'm confident saying this too. The Legion of Boom, I pretty much every iteration of the Legion of Boom had a weak link. You know, like whoever the right cornerback was traditionally was the the mark, the target, whatever you want to call it. Whether it was Byron or Jeremy or uh, what was the dude's name, the Ravens that came over, he sucked. Carrie uh, Williams. Kerry, yep. Yeah, whether it was Carrie Williams. Um, I, I guess I wouldn't call like Deshaun Shed the target. I don't necessarily think he was like that level of like he wasn't bad. None of these guys were bad necessarily. But you have because everyone else was at such a high level, like you had to throw it over there. Like if you drop back and you're like, Well damn, I Cam's right there. Sherm. Sherm's <laughs> over there. Earl, Earl. back there. <laughs> All right, okay. Well Byron Byron Maxwell's gonna get these twelve targets today. Yeah, that's like, how it is. I don't think this unit has someone you could do that to. I don't I don't think they have that. I think if you're if you look over there, not to say people are afraid of like Shaq or afraid of Quandre or afraid of Jamal, and they might be afraid of Jamal. Um, I just don't think that it's there's like a all right, you are the weak spot that we can exploit. I don't necessarily think that from a talent perspective that exists in this foursome. Now, if you go nickel and maybe you add Trey or Ugo or Marquise, then maybe that becomes a thing. I'm not sure. It depends on what the other team's weapons are yep. as well. I'm trying to think of who like the Falcons are really interesting because that didn't they just that pay a tight end too. They, paid they a lost tight end. Hooper, right? Oh, they lost Hooper. So that's like they picked up one. But that, they that's they what took what one of the Ravens' tight ends. Didn't they, don't they have like Hayden Hurst or something now? Google Hayden Hurst real quick. I think he switched teams. One of them Ravens' tight ends, I think, switched teams. Yeah, he's with the Falcons. Okay, cool. Um, so th- you can't really play around with the Falcons like that. Or just it, some of these other teams, like, when they have a bunch of weapons, you got to be careful. But I do think that is the difference between this group and Legion. Legion of Boom, overall, more talent. By a mile, I think, because Earl's the best safety I've ever seen. Sherman's the best corner of this generation. Like, and Cam was a killer with cleats on. <laughs> like, there's a difference <laughs> the grim in <laughs> talent overall. But I do think that they always had, every iteration had like a, all right, we're going to target this guy. Yeah. He is where we're going to make this money. Other, aside from like seams and tight ends and stuff. They don't got that this time. They will target the run game because that D line is questionable. That's what they would do. They would be yeah. like, you know what? We get that these guys can pass. That their secondary is pretty good. Let's try to run the ball. Let's soften it up. Or just like work the, that area of the line of scrimmage in the pass game. Yes, you know, quick screens. Yeah, or which t- I wish to see using run. the running backs, tight end, you know, boots, whatever. You, there's ways you can work around it. But yes. I do think that distinction is what is unique about this group that the Legion of Boom never really had. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, want you do this for me real quick? All right, I'm gonna give you six secondaries. Rank them. Give me the top five. You ready? Mm-hmm. Um, New England Patriots, uh, Baltimore Ravens, Chargers, Seahawks, Steelers, and Bills. I would definitely put... Go go from five to one. All right. So five, probably put the Bills. Okay. Four. Dang, San Diego's good, too, though. They're in Los Angeles now, but right. yes. God damn it. I know. I know. Sorry. Every, no one knows that. No, I wa- should. No one watches the Chargers. I should, but it's, man, it's fine. No one okay, watches the Chargers. Okay, so I got the, the Bills. I'll go Patriots at four. Patriots at four. Okay. Seahawks at three. Mm. Two. I will put the ch- Chargers of 
of Los Angeles. Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> telling, no one knows who they play. It's fine. And number one, of course, it's gonna be the B- Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. Yes. That 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 sounds that sounds about right. I, the Chargers are hard for me to get a read on because they do, they're like the Seahawks. They have a bunch of talent. It just depends on like how what they do with it. Yes. Chris Harris Jr. is really good. Desmond yeah. King's really good, but they play the same spot. Yep. Derwin okay. James is excellent, I believe, um, and plays a bunch of spots, very similar to Jamal. Casey Hayward Jr. is probably the most underrated corner in the league. Um, so, and they, they drafted that one kid, uh, Nasir Adderley, from he went to like the smallest school in the world. I forget what school he's from. Someone can probably look that up. But that I think that's what you're probably onto something. But I think like just the fact that they're even in that combo right now makes me a lot more confident about the rest of the defense. Okay. Because I think it was either Shield, Kapadia, Homie Shield at the Athletic. Maybe it was Mike Sando. But he was talking, he he said something along the lines of when they got Jamal, like they can, they the Seahawks can field the best, like, back seven in the league. Like, between Bruce, Bobby, KJ, this is me excluding Jordan Brooks for a second. Bruce, Bobby, KJ, Quentin, Shaq, Jamal, Quandre. That's a really good back seven. Like, if you include that, that back seven is hard to get. But, Chris, let's let's talk about it real quick. That front still is a little little shaky. Uh, we got the report from Mike Silver of uh, NFL Network about the Seahawks, like, really pretty much ditching the J- Jadavian Clowney thing, which I've heard as well. Uh, not, like, from his people, just kind of, you know, around the way, you know, doing my calls and all that stuff. Basically, they, they tried the Jadavian Clowney thing again and was like, what's good? And he was like, uh, the price didn't went up. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> define, <laughs> define up really quick? Oh, okay. Don't call us. We'll call you. That's over. And then you get the moving on to guys like Everson Griffin and Clay Matthews. Um, if they had to, if you had to pick one, Chris, let's say the price is, the value is about the same. Let's say you have to spend like $5 million on Griffin, but you only spend like $2 million on Clay, even though and, and Everson's better and whatever. Who you want? Clay Matthews, who's 34. Okay, and or uh, or Everson are these guys both old enough that they played for Pete Carroll? I was, I think you were onto something. Yeah, Everson's thirty-two. So did he play for Pete Carroll? When did he play at USC? He played at USC in. When did Pete leave there? Oh nine. So he played in two thousand nine. Yeah. So that would have been his last year with him, I would assume. Oh wow. It, yeah, he played two thousand seven was his first year. Oh yeah, so yeah, he's a, he's, he's a Pete guy. So Clay Matthews must be it too, because Clay Matthews is seventy. So, <laughs> yeah. So who who you want? Who do you I'm want? I'm gonna go with the younger guy and Everson Griffin. It might be two the younger, years. That's relative. Yeah, it's relative, but in NFL years, that is a big difference. Clay yeah. Matthews really on his last leg, if you ask me. I mean, he's bounced around quite a bit since leaving the Packers. How, how many teams? The Rams. Played? Maybe it's just I think one that's team. It. Yeah, I think maybe I, it's just, I feel like he only played for the Rams. But how many games did he play last season? I know. I, I mean, think he got hurt against the Seahawks last year. And that's the thing. He's. I don't know how healthy he's been the past few seasons, to be honest. And with Everson, I just think there's more there's more left in the tank with Everson. Like That's Clay fair. Matthews has been doing it for a minute. He's been dominating at yeah, his yeah. position. He made the Pro Bowl his rookie year. I mean, he's been doing it a long time. I'm not saying that's a knock on him. Like, oh, Chris, wow. why wouldn't you take the guy that's been doing it for a long time? Well, at what point do you realize this is it? Oh, wow. He had eight sacks last year for the Rams in 13 games. Well, that's pretty damn good. That's a good. He started thirteen. That's actually a really good year at thirty, at age thirty-three. That's actually, that's really productive. How there. much does he have left in the tank, though? That's my that's only a good question. question for both. And of them. I don't know. And with Griffin, he's a little younger, two years, not bad. No, not and bad. Now, at all. He any, made the Pro Bowl last year, right? <laughs> come on now. Yeah. And, Everson did. Yes. And if it comes down to it, could the Seahawks potentially get both? Now that would be a heavy hitter. Uh, yeah, they could if they you know, 
figure out some cash moves here, makes a few cuts. Now, they have the money for both. They already, as it that stands, be, have the money for both. That would be my ideal resolution to this thing. Get both of them. <laughs> you remember the little the meme of Dexter and he's whispering in the girl's ear? Both of them. I <laughs> think about the. I feel like what's the other gift that's really uh, popular? The one it's from um it's an animated movie about going to get gold from somewhere. Going to get gold. Uh, Road to El Dorado. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've seen that, right? It's been a minute. You, you know what I'm talking about? Where yes. they go to the land to get the gold. Yes. Uh, and I forget somebody asked them the question, but they look at each other and they're like both. Both is good. Both is very good. Yeah, I, and yeah. that's the situation here. I don't want to cut it down to one or the other. If the Seahawks go out and get both, now we're in business. They're 32nd, according to some rankings. I think that was Pro Football Focus that ranked them. 32nd with their pass rush. With these two, you get down to the 20s, low 20s. You might crack, you know, 19, 18. With really? Those two. That's with, a big jump. With these two, both of them, yes. With What if you get – all right, that's a good exercise. What if they only get Everson? Let's say they. Let's say we think they're like the thirty-first defensive line in the league right now. If they get Everson, age thirty-two, had I think about eight and a half sacks last year, Pro Bowler on a really good defense. Uh, where where do they go? Well, I don't know if their defense is really good last year. They got rid of everyone, but <laughs> they did. I think they got rid of Xavier Rhodes. They got rid of somebody else. Got rid of Everson. They cleaned house around there. But you get my point. So let's say they're thirty-one right now. Okay, the thirty-first. According okay. to the Seahawks man to man power rankings of defensive lines, <laughs> uh, trademark. Don't steal that. Uh, they're at 31. Okay. Where'd, if they sign Everson for, let's say, he gets the same deal as Bruce, get five and a half million, uh, up to five and a half million, maybe the base is like two and a half and has got some incentives, you know, all that stuff. Where do they jump to if they sign Everson tomorrow? 26, 27. 26, 27. All right. But then you add Clay Matthews, who and also and brings and eight and a half. Bigger jump. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's almost the same. No, I'm saying, like, if you add them, it gets oh, okay. to the team. Yeah. I mean, but. Everson, I would say, yeah, they dropped down about five spots. You know what's interesting um, about, like, how we view sacks and impact? Because if you think about it, like— well, Pressures, too, but I feel it. Yeah, and pressures. I think uh, Griff- Griffin had 36, and I think Clay had 28, 28? last yeah. year. Clowney, for reference, had 1,000. <laughs> he had 30. <laughs> so only two more than uh, Clay. I think Which they played in the same number of games. Clowney missed a couple of games. Yes. Um like we are very confident that like Clowney's like impact is so great, yeah. Even without the sack numbers, which there's something to that. But like, let's say they did add Everson, Clay, Bruce, and Benson is like the f- their four D line ads, minus the draft picks. That is actually really like from a sack standpoint, that's really impressive. Like I bet you that's what Pete would cite because Everson had I think was he got in the he had eight sacks. He had eight. Yes. Clay had eight. Bruce had what seven last year? Did he have eight? I thought Bruce Damn, had, did everybody have eight? I think Bruce had eight, though, right? Bruce? Bruce had eight and a half. Eight and a half for Bruce. Griffin had eight. And so then Clay, and Clay had eight. 24, 24 and a half. I'm pretty sure Benson has seven. So we're, at, say, we're at 24 and a half. Benson Mayowa had seven. So that's 31 and a half sacks. Glad you did the math for me there, brother. Well, hang on. 25, 26, 27, 29. Okay, we're good. <laughs> 31 and a half. We're yes. Good. So you're adding 31 and a half sacks for... Let's say probably like 16? 16 million, 17 million dollars oh. instead of one guy for that same price point. The package is. I huge. can get on board with that. I think I wrote about this too. I can get on board with that, though. Here's the caveat I can only get on board with that if it is coupled with an investment in your secondary. If you try to do this committee thing, I mean, we talked to Joe Fan about this too. Mm, I think that was probably yes. one of the best conversations we had about this. I'm not cool with the committee thing. In a vacuum, like if it's just that's all we're gonna do. But if you if that's what you're gonna spend your money on there, and dump assets into the secondary, I'm okay with that. 
I'm okay with you being kind of cheap and one one year in it with all these like bargain deals and not going overpaying in free agency for like pass rushers. Cool, you're gonna do that, but you're gonna dump assets into your secondary and get all pro. All right, cool. That I can get on board with because uh, I, I was having this conversation with with Cliff Averill on uh, with the homies at Locker Room on the Locker Room app, and I I think I'm leaning towards the the pass rush being like sparked by the secondary more than the guys up front. So if the, if you're gonna do that, that's not a foolproof plan. But we have seen it work for some teams. I think the Ravens um, and the Patriots. I think honestly are really good examples of that. I think if you're gonna do that, that's cool. And you want to go low cost everywhere else other than like Bobby and KJ. They're making a lot of money this year. But they should be. Vets, elite, whatever. That's fine. If you want to get a bunch of old dudes on low deals, because what, Bruce is 32, Benson's 29. Yep. All these other dudes are 50. uh, (laughs) And then you want to get nothing but young dudes after that, like Alton Robinson and Daryl Taylor. Even Brandon Jackson, I think, is now on like the the vet minimum, I think. I haven't seen his new contract. So if you're only going to go like a low cost everywhere – I'm cool with that if it, if it if you're doing that as and investing in your secondary. I think your elite secondary, if it is elite, we'll have to see. I think that will help those guys. I think if the quarterbacks drop back and they ain't got nowhere to look right away, that little extra half a second that they got to think because Shaq over here, Quentin here, Jamal's everywhere at once, and Quandre's got the range in the back, that little split second that they need more time for, boom, now Rasheem then got there. Or boom, now uh, who else is on the team? Bruce, or, you know, all these other dudes, Benson, whatever. And now, a special offer from Indochino. But there there lies the problem if that one and a half second does go by and they're still fighting the trenches. And now the quarterback is mobile. Cam Newton. Yeah, Kyler Murray type. Kyler Murray. I think they, I think can, they play Tua as well. Yeah, Miami week three, Dak, right after Dallas. Dax Mobile. I mean, yeah, it's not foolproof. It's not, and that's where it, you would want that pass rush to be consistent because that one half a second, it's the Seahawks pass rush. I'm not going to panic. <laughs> I think, though, now that you got guys like – because I think these guys are good pass rushers, too. Like, I think Clay can still get there. I think Oh, that's why I would there. say get, if you can get both of them Let's in Let's assume package. they just get one of them. Let's <sighs> assume they just get one. I can't be greedy, man. What? I mean, yeah, we can. Greed is good. Well – <laughs> that's relative, because greed is killing college football right now. But that's a that's another that's another story. But I I, I do think that if you're gonna go all in on your secondary, like the way they kind of are, because like we said, that's three trades for your secondary. The yeah. starters in your secondary made from three trades, and that's those are investments. If that's where you're gonna invest and presumably maybe pay all of those guys, um, then I, I'm cool with that. If you and, and if you're if you're gonna bargain shop elsewhere, because I think. The pass rush was so bad last year that those guys did need that extra time that I think they'll have now. I think that because it's not that much time in the secondary, or excuse me, in the pocket. Like, if you look at, like, the time to throw numbers, Two, three it's seconds. like points of, it's tenths of a second that separates someone who gets it out quick like Derek Carr versus someone who holds on to it a long time like uh, Russ or Deshaun Watson. It's not that much time. You only need a little bit more time to get to the guy. And I think by investing in Jamal and having Quentin and, and having Quandre and Shaq, assuming he like expands on the on the year he had last year, because those guys also get their hands on the ball. It's one thing to get rid of it. Now, what happens when you get rid of it? Quentin Quentin what had four picks last year in eleven games. Uh, I think Quandre came in and had what three picks in five games uh, and a pick six. 
Shaq had 14 pass breakups last year. I think he had an interception that got negated by Jamar Taylor, a penalty. And then I think Jamal doesn't get his hands on the ball that often, but he does make plays. He doesn't get picks, but he does make plays on the ball. So that's where I think it also helps your pass defense. So, yeah, maybe you don't get the sacks. Cool. But if they do get rid of the ball, where's it going? Is it even going to get to the receiver? But that's before we even get to guys like Bobby and KJ. KJ, who had, what, his best year in pass coverage last year, I think, yeah. um, was targeted more than any linebacker in the league and had a career high in pass breakups and interceptions last year. I mean, two of those came against Kyle Allen, but still. Picking off the bad guys is part of having good numbers. Like all, <laughs> supposed all, to. All Richard Sherman's picks aren't against Tom Brady, right? Like, you you need to pick off the bad dudes too, right? Picks You're are supposed s- to do that. The game's about the ball. It doesn't matter who's throwing it. So exactly. Uh, people make the argument about Quentin Dunbar, too. His numbers are really great against guys who suck. Yeah, man, all 16 dudes they play aren't going to be good. You're going to have dudes who suck. Beat them up, too. Yep. You know, like that's you know, I think that's really important. So I'm, I'm on board with that strategy. Even if that's not what John and Pete are doing intentionally, like, hey, let's just load up on the secondary and then it'll fix everything else. Even if that's not like their conscious thought, I like it. I like the experimenting with it. If you're not, Because if you're not going to pay for the pass rushers, then you got to figure out another way. You got to take another direction. I'd assume they're going to get one of these two guys with the communication. I think they're going to get one. I just don't know who it'll be. And if you had to pick one, I don't think either one's wrong after looking up Clay Matthews' stats. I mean, we get it. Griffin was a pro bowler last season. But if you want to go with Clay, I see no problem with it. He had eight eight and a half sacks last year. Either one of them will bring something to the table that the Seahawks desperately need, and that's pass rush. And they need it now. At a a bargain. Yeah. And I think Clay would – I think – Either one of those guys would do it, especially knowing where the Seahawks have been and where they're trying to get to. They understand the opportunity to win a Super Bowl here, and maybe that's what they're all about. Or they could want the bag and go elsewhere, but I think they're going to get one of those guys for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think so too, kind of what I've been been hearing. It's just a matter of the money. Because yep. I don't think those guys should take like bargains like that. They are good players. Neither one of them got cut for performance reasons. I'm pretty sure Clay Matthews' like, cap hit was too high. So the Rams, because Rams, they had no money, right? <laughs> they had to cut Gurley. They yep. had to... They had to get rid of some guys. Um, they had to cut Clay. And they cut someone else, too. Like, they had to clear some space. They traded Brandon Cooks. Like, they got rid of some cats because they, they had no money. It wasn't a performance thing why Clay was dumped. And I think ever since the same way, I think the Vikings had no money, and they just needed to fix things. And Everson was making way too much, so they cut him. So neither one of these guys are on the market for performance reasons. Like, they can, they can play. And it definitely would help. Yeah. I don't know if they would make the jump that – you're suggesting I think they would still the defensive line on its face would still have uh, it was, I think it's still be in the back half I guess you're still saying they'd be in the back half too but I do think that like the combination closer of that to 27 than 25 their overall pass defense will be good I okay. don't think necessarily that the pass the front line the D line may not grade out well quote unquote but I do think the overall pass defense will be good I feel like they're gonna get their hands on a lot of passes uh, I think I think the pressure numbers will probably be good too. Maybe not the sacks, but I think the pressures would be good. Because pressures matter as much, too. Like, that's QB hits, that's hurries, that's knockdowns. That's all the pressure numbers to count for. So, I guess Quentin Dunbar isn't the only one who had a good weekend. No, not Seahawks at all. Seahawks did. Seahawks did. I guess if you're clowny, it wasn't great. But he's going to get the bag, so that's cool. From where? From who? That's a good question. <laughs> who did we say on this show last? Tennessee Titans. Tennessee, maybe. Yeah. That door's still open, I guess. Philly should pay him. They got money. The Browns should still pay him. Why not? What's he waiting on? I don't know. I'd love to just ask Tony that. I probably wouldn't even report it. I'd just be like, hey, dude. What are you doing? What's what's up? 
what's up? Let 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 me know. And yeah. it all starts in a month, bro. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he didn't show up to like last the last minute last year, so yeah. I can see him doing that again. That, that, that I guess fair. I feel it. Yeah, no, I, I I get what he's saying. I mean, I get the strategy there. It also wouldn't surprise me if he fired his agent again. You <laughs> see, Yannick Ngakwe just fired his agent. Yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, th- this waiting this long is bad advice sometimes. But I get it. In Clowney's case, actually, no, I'm lying. I don't get it. I would have signed with somebody, man. Get that guaranteed money, man. You don't even know if you're gonna have a season. That's true. Uh, but yeah, Quentin Dunbar's not the only one who had a good weekend. Josh Snyder had a good weekend. Pete Carroll had a good weekend. Ken Norton had a good weekend. It's just Seahawks weekend. What's the D line coach's name? It's the, uh, that's my guy, Clint Hurt. Clint had a good Hurt. weekend. Yeah, he had a good. We- All of these guys because of this Dunbar news. Had a good popping bottles. Man. Yeah, popping popping bottles. Socially distanced popping bottles though. Throw that in there. Yeah, you definitely definitely got to throw that in there. Real quickly before we get out of here, running back room right now. Chris Carson. We're not on the. We had Ben Arthur on a few weeks about a month ago discussing the future of him and if he's going to land that big deal. Uh, unlikely. Seahawks are. We got Rashad Penny, and he's looking. He's going to come back on time, Mike. What do you think in there well, with Rashad? See, see, the thing, uh, Rashad, I'm not sure. Um, he'll probably he's on the pup list. Physically unable to perform list, which mm-hmm. really just means he failed a physical. Yep. Um, means he's not. He can't do football activities. So I imagine he's there for a while and probably misses like the first six games. Okay, which makes the running back room like really interesting in the macro. Like if you look at it, just like. Just for this year, it's actually pretty simple. It's Chris Carson and everyone else. Right? Carlos Hyde, Travis yeah, Carlos Hyde, Travis Harmer, DJ Dallas. It's all those. It's they just cut Anthony Jones, so he's gone. Um, so it's really just those guys in the room. And then when Penny gets back, he's in the mix as well. But in the big picture, it's actually pretty interesting, right? Because Chris Carson is auditioning to get the bag. Yeah, eleven hundred right? yards. If he has another eleven hundred yard season, I don't know how his representatives who can't come to John Snyder and be like, "Hey, man, that's three. That's three straight seasons, man. We didn't put up thirty. Ah, uh, see, look at me. I almost did math. I ain't doing no math. If we did three straight eleven hundred yard seasons, and you know have scored X amount of touchdowns, twenty touchdowns in that time, you need to pay my client. He's he's RB one. Now they won't they won't probably get that, but you got to ask for it. Yeah, you got to. Got to start high. Yeah, you got you got to. But if you're Penny, you're trying to argue that all right, cool, they can let Chris walk. I'm the man now. I'm I've be, been consistent. I'm gonna be in year four. I think he'd be by then by twenty twenty one. Yep. See, I gotta stop counting on air. <laughs> but he'd be like year four. So at that point, if your first round pick is not ready to be the man and you're four at running back, you got a problem. So Penny, but he has to show it though. I think he started last season. Unfortunately. I think he had, he he had a really good like little two week run there. We had like two hundred yards and two touchdowns on like thirty carries. Like he w- Penny's best argument. And I will uh, give Rashad credit on this one. I bet you that like, when he's talking to his family or whoever about like what's going on and old teammates, I bet you this is his argument because it makes a lot of sense. When he gets the opportunities, he does deliver. I think like in most of the games when he gets double digit touches, he finds the end zone. Like he he delivers in that way. I think even his like career, I know yards per carry is not a great metric. It's actually relatively useless. But I mean, if you're if you have a bad yards per carry, that does say something. I think Penny's first career is at, like five. Or something like. That. Actually, can you look at that? I don't want to. I don't want nobody texting me saying I was tripping. But Penny's is at least decent. Um, so, I I think that everyone's kind of auditioning for different things with this season. Even Carlos Hyde, he's probably just trying to show, hey man, I still need more contracts after this. I think he'll be thirty, which is a bad year for running backs. But he's auditioning as well. Travis Homer is trying to show, like, hey man, I could play. I can play on this team. Like everyone kind of has a different thing that they are like campaigning for with this season. Five point three average. 
as uh, Rashad Penny's yard per carry. So yep. that actually is really good. Even though yards per carry doesn't tell an entire story, if you're bad at it, that's really like telling. And his is at least like, okay, he's he, he he's boom or bust, but he does when he gets a bunch of carries, it delivers. So I think that's the most interesting part about the running back room because it's Chris Carson's room. Chris Carson is bionic. He broke his leg on October 1st, 2017. And December 22nd, 2017, he was running routes full speed in the facility, catching passes. How was that, eight weeks? Nine Monster. weeks? Monster. Ten weeks later? No, that dude is built different. I never will doubt that dude coming back from any injury that he's going to be the man. So Chris is going to be the dude. And Carlos Hyde will be the dude behind him. And that all makes sense for this year. I think it's pretty cut and dry. But looking forward... Yeah, looking forward, <laughs> it gets really interesting. Does Rashad show enough that they're comfortable? Like, all right, man, we can't do this Chris Carson thing long term. Let's just roll with our first round pick. You know, he has to show it though. Yeah, and, and I think this is another thing. I don't know if you noticed this as well. I think Chris Carson, and I wrote about this last Friday, is uniquely built to succeed in the Seattle offense because the run blocking is just like average in Seattle. You, t- with, you explained it with Marshawn. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, Marshawn's really good at like masking run blocking deficiencies running your ass over right <laughs> but if he if he gets hit behind the line of scrimmage he doesn't go down he can still get a three four yard gain yeah. out of that chris carson chris carson is very similar same that dna if he if you if you meet him in the hole at right at the line of scrimmage like that would be for a, a gain of nothing mm-hmm. he's gonna plow forward fall forward okay now it's a three yard gain or yeah. four yard gain right and you have to be able to do that when the run blocking isn't spectacular like it is in like los angeles or, or at least when, when Gurley was at his peak uh, Cowboys are like that too. The team's really good run blocking. When you don't have that, you need someone who can make up for that. And I don't know if these other guys are built like that. And that is the reason you go out and pay Chris Carson. You have there. That alone says, damn. If we don't bring back Carson, who's gonna be our bulldozer? Especially if you can go to the off- draft. Well, you can. You can absolutely do that. But the Seahawks draft. They gave away a few things to get some pieces, so that is going to be out the door, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, they got picks still. They still they do, but they have to get them in later rounds, per se. They won't be able to get them in the earlier rounds like they would have had they not made such trades with Jamal Adams and things of that nature yeah. to land the pieces that they have for the defense. I think right now they only have a second-round pick. And you could definitely get a running back. but I wouldn't would, do that with a second-round pick, but yeah. But you the, again, to your offensive line point, when are they going to produce? What at what, in what year is the Seahawks' O-line going to be? That's a solid O-line. <laughs> and you laugh, and that that's scary, right? Cause I, I wonder if Russell's probably been wondering that since 2012. <laughs> I mean, that's a long stint of wondering when this O-line is going to really be consistent and safe, where Russ is like, okay, I, I can do this for 16 games and not worry about, oh, my God, we're going up against this defense today. It's going to be taken off. Exactly. To be fair, I don't think Russ has those words. I think he believes in those guys, even if it's a rational confidence. Good for, no, good for us. I'm with you. Good for us. And that leads to the future of Chris because he's a guy that you put that you mentioned in your story, and just now he can take the hits in the backfield and still get two, three yards. If Penny, Carlos, Travis, DJ Dallas get hit in the backfield, we don't know how they respond. I'll ask you this then: It might Before, be a wrap because you said, "Okay, that's like an argument for paying Chris," which I feel you. I want everyone to get paid. Oh yeah, we make that very clear on this show. Everybody secure get the bag. the bag. Yes, always Keep secure the them bag. checks. Yep, yep, yep. So Chris can't ask for RB1 money, like, reset, right? Because Christian McCaffrey set something <laughs> that, bar. Did, that no <laughs> one's going to pass. 2000, As, 2000. Especially on, in a year that um, the salary cap won't go up. So okay. Chris can't just come in there like, hey, McCaffrey got 16 a year, which I believe is what he got. Let me get 19. Let me get 17. Or, no, yeah. they're going to look at, hey, here's the middle finger. <laughs> Your Uber's outside. 
Like that's <laughs> that's how you get treated. So if you're gonna do that, what's the average per year that if you're the Seahawks, like where's your like thirteen this, and a this half? This is the highest. We'll go. Oh, that's high. I would. Oh. So so would you do like so? Let's say you'd give Chris like three years, thirty nine. Yeah, I think that's thirteen. That would be my starting point. I would start with that. What's the highest you would go for the, the highest? That's what I mean. So that's not even the highest you would go is thirteen. I'd probably go fourteen and a half. Ooh, so you're looking at like three years, forty two. I would. That would be you the would high. do that for Chris Carson. Yeah. So what do you do with Penny? You try you to get him on back him up. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you try to pay Penny a good deal. You know, I think maybe. that's really high. But I mean, that's interesting. Chris Carson. What That'd be great for Chris. What he's what he's able to do, I think it's got to be around that price range. The low end, I would start him at. If you had to say, Chris, if you can go lower. Your low starting point, I would give him 10. 10 a year? 10 a year. That's interesting, too. I don't know how that would go. I just don't know where their philosophy is with running backs. I would like to think that they've, like, I, I thought that they had kind of figured out, like, oh, we don't have to invest much in this. And yeah. then they drafted Rashad really high, so I was like, okay, wait. That doesn't make sense. Okay, <laughs> so you guys do have a weird view of running backs. So I don't know. That's interesting. I haven't really seen a lot of people float out numbers what would you start him at? Your high point. So if I'm the Seahawks, I don't even really come to the, to the table, really. I, I feel you on I, that. I probably like tag him. Um, that would probably be the most beneficial, money wise. I have to see what the tag is. I think it's probably like ten mil. I think that's okay. what Derrick Henry was going to be on. So, um, maybe and that's just for one year. The yep. thing I'm scared of like a long term deal. Um, the injuries, you never yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, and so, I feel it. I so, am right there with you, but and I think like it would depend on if he finishes the season healthy too. You yeah. say he's only been in the league three full years. He's only finished the the season once, so that you have to factor that in as well. Especially if you're gonna get somebody a long term deal. So there, there'd be a bunch of things I'd worry about. Now, if I'm Chris's people, I'm like, look, if we put up 1,100 yards and finish the season, <laughs> uh, okay, no, we do want RB one because that's what we are. Yeah, uh, I would come in there with all the advanced numbers and broken tackle percentages and be like, look, my guy is just as good as Christian McCaffrey, and this is why. I think I even wrote this. Um, I mentioned that Chris breaks tackles at a higher rate than anyone in the league. At least he did last year. I mean, and you put it that way. You put him in any offense, he's going to get yards. <laughs> you put him with Dallas, he's going to thrive because that old line is well, the he, best. He's not going to be on Dallas. but Whoa. That, And that's the other thing. I don't know what Chris's market would look like. I imagine one team would probably like overpay who feels that they're running back away? So yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. If I was, if I'm Chris's people, I come in there looking for after a good year, I'm gonna come a good healthy year. I'm saying, hey, RB one money, done. We need to start at like, if if you go anything lower than like 15 million, we're walking out this door. <laughs> um, and that's if he doesn't get tagged. Because uh, if I'm the Seahawks, I consider the tag, and then I'm like, look, there's no way we're going over something that. Honestly, if I'm the Seahawks on, a, on an average per year, I might be like, there's no way you get eight figures out of us. Damn. Like, <laughs> for, that's the business it has to be. I'm looking at it. For, I can kind of put both hats on. From John Snyder, I say, look, you ain't getting eight figures out of us. And if I'm Chris's people, look, we need like 15. That's kind of how it would go. I don't know if they could meet in the middle somewhere. Eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, 12. I don't know. but. And I think the tag might be an option. I don't know. It depends on what. Rashad and Carlos and them look like too. So it's it's kind of interesting in that regard. We don't know what's going to happen there. And it, everyone's kind of playing for the future in their different ways while also trying to win a championship this year. 
the RB room is a lot different than like when we're talking about the secondary. Those guys are built to win right now, today, tomorrow, and every day after. <laughs> Next four years. <laughs> They're good. They are good. They got some people to pay too, but not it's not ain't nobody else on the books past twenty twenty one anyway. So the yeah. money, the money's there. Everyone comes off the books in twenty twenty one except for like all the rookies, Bobby and Russ. I think that's like true. Everyone else, uh, maybe Tyler, is still on the books for a year at that point. Twenty twenty one. At the, after no, I'm twi- saying after twenty twenty one, there's barely anybody on the books still. Got it. Okay. It's it's basically Russ, Bobby, Bobby, and all the rookies and stuff who are all the recent draft picks because their rookie deals would go that long. No one else is really on the books for after twenty twenty one like that. I think I think she think do think Tyler's done after that. Dwayne's done after that. You know, I think Jaron Reed's deal is done after that. So. You got money. That's why I think what they do with it in terms of the secondary is important. If you're like, all right, we're going to pay Jamal, pay Quandre, pay Shaq, and just roll out the studs. I'm cool with that. And then it's like bargain shop everywhere else. I I, I could get down with that. I could. But it's got to work. Can you get down with a hot take? We're getting close to the season. Is it you time want me to give a hot take? Is it, is it time to start hot takes? I think the – I don't know if I have a hot take. I think – what about this? That I think the Seahawks defense will lead the league in interceptions. That is a hot take. Secondary. Well, I want to. Sp- uh, how, how do I want to specify yeah, I this? I want to say the secondary. So let's exclude between, like if Bobby so gets any between picks, these players and right any defensive backs. Any defensive. Backs, I don't want to okay. include like Bobby or KJ or like so if a D line catches one. We're talking Quandre. We're talking any DB. I don't care if uh, this counts. Ugo if he gets in and makes a okay. pick or Nico easy. Or I'll be sure to keep that. Marquise, that. yeah, yeah, we'll we'll keep track. I mean, if they're leading out, we'll know during the year. But that's that that's my prediction. I like that. Look at that. Mike's back with hot takes once a week. Here we are, Seahawks man to man. I think one of these every week now. What you mean? We did it last season. You forgot? You sure did. I did forget because it's been a while. It's been a minute <laughs> since we did it. We, yeah. we I think I think after the 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 loss. In the postseason against the Packers, that was the last time we did a hot I just take. wanted to get out of Green Bay, man. Oh, I feel you. Because it wasn't nothing hot about Green Bay at all. It was freezing cold. It was cold as ice. <laughs> it was cold as ice. It was snowing. It sucked. I didn't sleep. Um, I ended up eating at some Taco Del Mar in the middle of, like, Appleton, Wisconsin. It was terrible. Well, hopefully the playoffs will be in Seattle if, you know, Seahawks can win some games. Uh, Yeah, hopefully we even get that far. Because, uh, you know, the Rona. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We appreciate the love and support. Again, if you haven't yet, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Mike, is there anything you want to add? Man, I really just gave a hot take. It's been a minute. That really means we're back. <laughs> I guess I had a good weekend, too. <laughs> yes, sir. Other than that, we will catch y'all later. We out. Time to your bag and I tell her all you live, yeah you